Well, we are taking a break in our study through the book of Acts, and I kind of explained last week a little bit why, but if you weren't here, let me just sort of recap for us. You know, for the last two years, I think that we would all agree that it's really been a struggle to sort of maintain any kind of consistency in our lives, to have any sort of routine or rhythm in our lives. I don't know if you're like me, but about the time I would begin to feel like I'm, I'm getting some traction, I'm beginning to establish routine and rhythm again, then something else would happen, and we'd kind of have a setback, and all that would kind of come apart again. And I think what's come as a result of this season that we've been in is that uh, because of the lack of consistency and routine, it's been really, really easy for us to abandon some really good routines, some really good rhythms in our lives, to get a little sloppy when it comes to having some good habits in our lives. And instead, we've sort of replaced that with some habits that are not so good and not so good habits ultimately even become potentially destructive habits in our lives. And even in the two most or two of the most important areas of our lives, I think we've been adversely affected over the last couple of years. One, our personal relationship with God. I think that's been affected for a lot of us over the last couple of years. And then secondly, our relationship with God's people. I think that's also had an impact on that area of our lives as well. So here's the deal. Today, we are 21 days away from the two-year anniversary of the last time our church family met together, just before our society uh, began to have to face this pandemic head-on that we now know as COVID. We're also 21 days away from March the 13th. Anybody know what happens on that day? It's Time Change Sunday. That's right. Thank the Lord. We're going to sacrifice an hour of sleep, but we're going to get more time in our day. And I think we're all ready for that trade-off. But if you were here last week, you know that I have unofficially changed the name Time Change Sunday to Time to Change Sunday. Very good class. Because our prayer is between now and then, over the next three weeks, over the next 21 days, that God will be at work in us to change these not-so-good habits that we have sort of all been developing over our lives throughout this season, and that God would create in us not just good habits, but some God habits in us. Habits, rhythms, routines in our life that are honoring and pleasing and glorifying to God. And so for the next three Sundays... Starting today, I want us to take a look at what I believe are the three most important habits that a follower of Jesus can have in their life. I'm not saying these are the only important habits that a Christ follower has in their life, but I believe these are the three most important habits that we can have in our lives as followers of Jesus. All the other ones that are good and important and necessary, I believe they just build upon the base or the foundation of these three that we want to talk about here today. Here they are. Number one, a faithfulness to God's voice. Number two, a faithfulness to God's ear. And number three, a faithfulness to God's people. I believe today that if we will get those three habits established, or maybe reestablished in our lives, then God will work in us to rightly order everything else in our life, 
so that our lives can get onto the pathway that leads us to the destination that every Christ follower ought to be pursuing. And I'm not talking about a place. The destination that we're pursuing is not a place called heaven, but the destination that we're pursuing is a person, and his name is Jesus. See, what we want to do over the next three weeks is see God develop these three habits in us because these three habits are the vehicle that leads us to knowing Jesus more. And that's the goal. Listen, the goal is not, I want to become a better reader of the Bible over the next three weeks. That's not the goal. The goal is not, over the next three weeks, I want to become stronger in the area of prayer. That's not the goal. The goal over the next three weeks is not, I want to get more involved in my church family. I want to go to church more often in the next three weeks. That's not the goal. If we turn this into those things being the goal, then we're just going down the path of being Pharisees, of just being rule keepers and box checkers. These things are not the goal, but they are the pathway that leads us to the goal. And the goal is to know Jesus and to know him more. I don't know how your world is, but mine just seems to get more complicated by the minute. Crazier by the moment. I mean, from things of, hey, we're on the brink of World War III to just before I came onto the platform this morning, my wife says my little girl threw up as they were loading up the car to come to church today, right? So it's all kinds of crazy stuff, curveballs, complexities. We don't ever know what's going to happen. But here's what's amazing, and here's what I'm excited about. And here's what I need, and probably you do too. These three habits that God's going to cultivate in us over the next 21 days... They're going to help us downshift our lives and recalibrate and refocus on what is most important. To cut through the clutter and the complexity and the confusion and to clarify what is most important. And I'm telling you today, there is nothing more important than knowing Jesus. Can you just agree with me that that's the truth? That's the truth today is to know Jesus, to know him in the power of his resurrection. Now, you may be sitting here today and going, well, Pastor, I've, I already know Jesus. Do you? <laughs> Do you really? I mean, are you content to sit here and go, well, I, you know, I already know him. If there's anybody that probably could have gotten away with saying, well, I, I already know him. That was the Apostle Paul, but that's not what he said. He didn't go, well, you know, I already know him. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I want to know him. And I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Now, Paul said that from a perspective of already knowing Jesus far better than I do right now. And he's still going, it's not enough. I want to know him more. I want to know him better. Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Here's good news. There is a well-worn path that leads to knowing Jesus that so many good, faithful men and women have left for us to walk in. 79 years with this particular church family. 2,000 years of church history. And we have this well-worn path 
laid down in front of us that has been blazed with a faithfulness to God's voice, a faithfulness to God's ear, and a faithfulness to God's people. That's how this path has been laid out. Not too long ago, Don Lightsey's sitting right here in front of me, and I was down at his grandparents' place. It happens to be my great-grandparents' old home place. And Don and I were standing out there on the front porch, and he pointed toward the woods. And he said, there used to be a path. You could see it. He said, you can still kind of make out where it was. And that path led to an old stump. And his grandmother, my great-grandmother, that was her praying place. She would go to that stump every day. Maybe sometimes multiple times in the day to pray, to spend time with God. She literally blazed a path in the woods with her prayers. And I'm asking you today, those who come behind you, your children, your grandchildren, The path that you're blazing with your life right now, is it going to lead them to the destination of knowing Jesus? Not knowing about him, but knowing Jesus. God, help us. Help us to blaze paths that our children will walk in and they will know the Lord. That they will know Jesus. I don't want you to lose sight of this destination over the next three weeks. I don't want this to be, let's get better at reading the Bible, and let's get better at praying, and let's get more faithful to coming to church. No, no. All those are just the means to the end. The end is to know Jesus, to know Him better, to know Him more than we've ever known Him Before And faithfulness to his voice and faithfulness to his ear and faithfulness to his people are the means by which we will get to that destination of knowing Jesus more. You heard Pastor Will open up with the reading of God's word this morning. Here's what he read. Hosea chapter 6 verse 1. Come. I want you just to listen. Man, when I read these verses this week, I thought, God, you put that in there just for grace life for just a time as this. Listen to this. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now He will heal us. He has injured us. Now He will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, He will restore us so that we may live in His presence. Look at this, verse 3. Oh, that we might, say it, know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. We want to know Jesus. In our 80th year as a church family, we want to know Jesus more this year than we have any other year prior to now. And we should. Man, we get to stand on the shoulders of some great saints that have come before us. And we want to know Him more. And a faithfulness to God's voice is part of the way that we get to that destination of knowing Jesus more. So let's spend a few minutes today talking about how can I be faithful 
to the voice of God. I'm not going to tell you anything today that you've never heard. I'm not going to tell you anything new. In fact, from this point on, most of what you're going to hear was a sermon that I preached almost exactly a year ago. But you don't remember it. (laughs) Zane does, but you don't. (laughs) And I didn't either. I don't know about you, but I leak a lot. Amen? The older I get, the, the holes in my mind seem to get a little bit bigger, and I leak more, and I leak faster. So I want to give you six ways today. That we can lean in and hear the voice of God through His Word. And you may remember, I'll kind of demonstrate this just by using my hand today. First, just I want you to take a look at the palm of your hand. And when you see the palm of your hand, I want you to think about palm readers. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I do want you to think about reading. Here's the first way that we go about hearing the voice of God is we need to be reading the Word of God. Why, Grace Life, why should we be reading the Word of God? To know the Word of God more? No, to know the God of the Word more. Don't lose sight. This is why I want to read the Word. I want to know Jesus. But you know, here's the sad truth. Surveys tell us that most people who claim to be followers of Jesus, they don't read their Bible consistently. They don't read their Bible. Many of you probably don't either on a regular basis. Recently, there was a a little study that was done by the Center for Bible Engagement. They polled 40,000 people in this country from age 8 to 80. And they discovered something really interesting about people in reading the Bible. People who read the Bible, they would say once a week, there was really no observable impact in their life. Same thing for two times a week. No observable impact, transformation in their life from reading the Bible two times a week. But for those who reported reading the Bible three times a week, there there was some differences that began to be seen in the lives of those people. Slight, but a difference. But something huge happened when a person went from three days to four days. The reported findings and changes and differences began to spike when a person began to open up the Word of God at a minimum four times a week. According to the survey, those who read the Word of God four times a week or more, their sense of loneliness decreased by 40%. Anger was reported to have decreased by 32%. A sense of bitterness in relationships dropped by 32%, 40% rather. People reported that if they were struggling with addictions in their life, they sensed and felt like those struggles let off by about 40% as they began to read the Word of God four times a week or more. Those who felt like they began to move out of being spiritually stagnant grew by 60%. Those who were viewing pornography dropped by 61% because of four times a week reading God's Word. Now, here's what's stunning. Those who were reading the Word of God four times a week or more, they reported that they increased in sharing their faith with other people by 200%. 
that their intentionality to be a part of disciple-making efforts also increased by over 230%. Now listen, nothing should, should surprise us about that. The Word of God is powerful. Listen to this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Paul's writing to a young pastor by the name of Timothy who's just trying to keep the church at Ephesus between the ditches. And over and over again, Paul just points Timothy toward the Word of God. And he says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. There's nothing else on planet Earth, y'all, that can do that but the Word of God that can give you the truth and show you what is wrong with your life. Paul goes on and he says, It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When we hear the voice of God out of the word of God, it changes our lives. So I want to help you with this. We're 21 days away from time to change Sunday. And beginning tomorrow, I want to encourage you to read the word of God. Now, if you're already in a Bible reading plan, keep on. Don't stop. But I would ask to add this to it for the next 21 days. And here's why. Because we're going to do this together. There's something powerful that happens when God's people read God's word together. And so here's our 21-day reading plan starting tomorrow. It's really simple. You don't have to write it down. You're not going to have to look at it every day. It's this simple. Every day for the next 21 days starting tomorrow, you're going to read a chapter out of the Gospel of John. The Holy Spirit put 21 chapters in the Gospel of John just for us for this next three weeks that we're in. We're going to wrap that up by Time to Change Sunday. So get it in your mind. Tomorrow, that's what we're going to do. John chapter 1. Set an appointment with God. You may have to set the alarm on your phone, whatever you need to do. But strive to be consistent. And what's encouraging is I read John chapter 1 tomorrow. I'm going to think about Brian's reading John chapter 1 tomorrow. God, what are you saying to Brian? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to other people in our church family as you work in our heart and our mind? That's the palm. I want to read God's word. Let's talk about this pinky finger. The second way we want to hear God's voice is we want to hear the word. Not just read the word, but we want to hear the word. And that, we're going with the pinky finger because this is probably the easiest, the easiest of the ways that God directs his life and his truth into our lives is by hearing God's word, just what you're doing right now. You're not having to be too active right now. And some of you are really fighting actively to stay awake and understand that. But for the most part, you're pretty passive right now. You're just getting to hear, to listen to God's word. But hearing the word of God is crucial. It's important. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 10, 17. That's how faith comes. Faith comes from hearing. And that is hearing the good news or the gospel about Christ. Faith, hearing the word of God is not only how we come to know God through faith, but it's also how we live by faith, how we walk by faith. Paul writes again to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 13. He says to, to young Timothy there at Ephesus, until I get there, Here's what you do as you try to guide this church in this hard place called Ephesus. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church. They need to be hearing the word of God, encouraging the believers and teaching them. 
For most of you, the primary way you hear the Word of God every week is you come and you listen to me preach the Word of God, or you go to your life group and you hear your life group leader share the truth of God's Word. But here's what I want to say to you today, church. Listen, if all you got is the palm of your hand reading God's Word and your pinky finger hearing God's Word, that's awfully hard to hold on to, isn't it? Right? Not a lot of power, not a lot of strength there. In fact, it's maybe a, an impossibility to hang on to it. So that gets us to number three, our pointer finger. We want to talk about studying God's Word. Now, why do, why do I want to study God's Word? Why is it important that I study God's Word? This is where you go to know Jesus. So you've already forgotten. You're, all, you're, all, you're already back to, well, I want to become better at Bible reading. No. We're going to become better at Bible reading, but that's not what we're after here. Why do we want to study the Word of God, church? To know Jesus. And when we get to studying the Word of God, we're going to remember our pointer finger because this is a strong finger. It's probably the strongest of our fingers, and it's a good reminder that studying the Word of God is going to require some strength. It's going to require some effort. It's going to require some energy, some force. Listen, reading and hearing the Word of God is like rowing your boat on a calm lake. But studying the Word of God is like jumping out of the boat with scuba gear on. We want to go into the depths and we want to dig it out more. We want to meet the Lord in the depths of His Word. Look at Ezra chapter 7 verse 8. God's bringing His people out of that Babylonian captivity, kids. How long have they been in that Babylonian captivity, y'all remember? 70 years. Amen. Preach the Word, my brother. 70 years and God's kept His Word. He's kept His promise. He's brought them back. And the Bible says Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. He had arranged to leave Babylon on April the 8th, the first day of the new year, and he arrived at Jerusalem on August the 4th. Why? For the gracious hand of his God was on him. Why was the gracious hand of God on him? Look at verse 10. This was because Ezra had determined, that means he was devoted, to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. Why are we going to study the word? Because we want to know Jesus. Why don't we study the word? Truth is, most of us are just lazy. I was talking to some of y'all earlier about therapy, with our injuries we've had and all that kind of stuff. And they kicked me out of going to physical therapy. I'm done with that. But I'm supposed to do all these things at home. And ask me if I'm doing them. No, I'm not doing them. I forget. I get distracted. I just get lazy, right? Sad thing is we're doing that with our spiritual muscles too. We want to study the Word, not be lazy with it. For some of you, maybe you're intimidated to sit down and study the Word of God. just don't really know where to start. Well, I don't have time to go into a whole lot of details with that today, and really it's not that complicated. First of all, I would study a hard copy, all right? Just set the phone aside, set the electronics aside, and I, that's just, you know, not, I'm not saying that's the only way to do it, but I just that's a helpful tip, I think. I just think it's just me and the way my brain is and the way I can chase squirrels. I just need to minimize the chance of drifting away. So get a hard copy of God's Word and bring a notebook with you and a pencil and a prayer. That's it. A Bible, a notebook, a pencil, and a prayer. God help me. 
dive out of the boat and into the depths of your word and just write down notes. What do you see? What's on the surface? What are the questions that you have? And as God speaks to you about what to do with it, write that down as well. That's simple Bible study. That's all it is to it. Three words, observation, interpretation, application. That's it. You don't have to be a PhD in it. Just begin to meet and engage with the Lord in his word. But look, that's not enough. I want to know Jesus, don't you? I don't want to stop at reading the word. I don't want to stop at hearing the word. I don't want to stop at studying the word. Number four, I want to memorize the word. This is our ring finger. Because we just need to marry ourselves to memorizing the word of God. And I know what some of you are thinking. Here's where you lost me, preacher, because I can't memorize. Yeah, you can. We could play some tunes through the system today and y'all would start singing the lyrics. Songs from 50 years ago. From back in high school, you start singing those things. You, you can memorize. You can memorize God's word. I know you can. If today I stand up here and I go, hey, today Brother Coy, he brought in a whole bunch of money, and so I'm going to give it away next Sunday to everybody. Here, but you've got you to earn it. For every Bible verse you learn between now and next Sunday, I'll give you $1,000. <laughs> How many of you say the Lord just healed my memorizing problem? <laughs> Right? See, we don't have a memorizing problem. We have a motivation problem. We just love money more than we love God's Word. Maybe we love money more than we even do Jesus because it's not about memorizing the Word. It's about knowing Jesus more in the Word. It's important to have Scripture packed away in our mind and our heart. You know why? So that it's available within us for the Holy Spirit to put it into practice just when we need it the most. We see Jesus model that, right? In the wilderness. Satan came after him, not once, not twice, but three times. And all three times, what did Jesus do? He unpacked the scripture that was already hidden in his heart. Three times he came out and said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then the devil had to leave him. Had to flee from him. But the Holy Spirit can't pull out what you haven't put in. The Bible says, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not. You memorized one. (laughs) See, I knew you could do it. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, when you have the word stored in your heart and mind, it's going to help you not only stand against temptation. It's going to help make your faith in Christ stronger. It's going to position you to help other people, right? They don't need your advice or your thoughts. But if you can share the truth of God's word with somebody in a moment, in a conversation as you're passing them, man, now you're really helping them. But not only that, but when you're committing God's word into your heart and to your mind, you are blazing that path in your life that's going to take you to the destination. And what is the destination? Say it, church. To know Jesus more. To know Him more. So what, what are we saying? Well, we've got the palm. We want to read God's Word. We've got the pinky finger. We want to hear God's Word. We have our pointer finger. We want to study God's Word. We have the ring finger. We want to memorize God's Word. Then we have the middle finger. We want to meditate on God's Word. And I put this in the middle because I think the life of a Christ follower needs to orbit around 
the meditating on the Word of God. Now, why are we going to meditate on God's Word? Why is that important that we learn how to do that? Why, Grace Life? Say it with me. To know Jesus more. Not so I walk around and talk about how I'm meditating on the Word. So I can teach the next class on how to meditate on the God's Word. We're not, we're not trying to turn ourselves into great Bible students here. We want to follow the Bible teacher, our rabbi Jesus, so closely that we get covered up in the dust that he's kicking up. That's all we want. It's just to know him more and more. And meditating on God's Word is one of the ways that we do this. Now listen, this is not meditating like other religions do. Sit down, crisscross applesauce. And empty yourself of all your thoughts. Not that. Meditating biblically as Christ followers. I'm not emptying myself. I'm filling myself with the truth of God's word. I want to grab on to the word of God. And I want to rehearse it. Over and over and over in my mind. How many of you are good at that? How many of you are good at rehearsing that a thought? over? You are. Every one of you should have PhDs given to you for your ability to rehearse thoughts over and over and over in your mind. It, you, but the way you do it the best is called worry. Right? You know, worry is a type of meditation. You get a thought in your head and you can't stop thinking about it. It's stuck to you. And you just keep going back to it and going back to it. Well, this is how you meditate on the truth of God's word. You get a truth from God's word and you stay stuck on it. You meditate on it over and over and over again. Sometimes at night I make myself some hot decaf tea. I'm at that age, Miss Glenda, where I have to cut off caffeine about 2 o'clock in the afternoon now, you know, to try to help myself sleep better. And I can take that tea bag and that hot water and I can dip it in and pull it out and dip it in and pull it out and dip it in and pull it out. And that's kind of like reading the word and hearing the word and all that kind of stuff. That's great to do, right? But if I really want to get the full flavor of what's in that tea bag, I want to let that thing just sit there and soak and just steep. And that's what you do when you're meditating on God's word. You just take your heart and your mind and you just soak in it. Even long after you close up the Bible and go about your day, you're still soaking in the truth of God's word. Here's what the psalmist says about meditation. Psalm 1, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Watch this. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Joshua 1, chapter 8 says, Study this book of instruction continually. This is God talking to Joshua. Meditate on it day and night. You think Joshua's busy? I don't say I'm too busy, Pastor. You think you're more busy than Joshua? The general of God's people leading them into the Jordan to face enemy after enemy after enemy in the promised land? You think you're busier than that cat? And God's saying, Joshua, you don't stop meditating. Day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. So here's one way that I meditate. Maybe this will help you tomorrow in John chapter 1, okay? And this is also memorizing Scripture. When you talk about memorizing Scripture, some of you freak out because you're thinking, about, I can't memorize a chapter. You don't have to. I can't, I can't memorize a paragraph. You don't have to. I can't memorize a verse. You don't have to. Jesus didn't write in verses. English folks like us, years later, came along and put chapter numbers and 
verse numbers. So what I do that helps me with memorizing and meditating God's word is I find a small piece that's easy for me to memorize, and then I meditate on that throughout the day. I call that my big idea, right? And so tomorrow I'm going to read John chapter 1. There's fantastic truth in John chapter 1. But I'll give you an example. I'm going to get to this verse in John chapter 1 where John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. What's he say next? Who takes away the sin of the world. Well, I'm going to cheat tomorrow. I've already got that one memorized, right? And now I want to meditate on that. That's going to be my big idea tomorrow. So all throughout my day tomorrow, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin And that stays on my heart and in my mind. And so tomorrow when I'm faced with temptation, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Tomorrow when I'm dealing with a brother who's discouraged, I want to say, hey, listen, behold the Lamb. The Lamb of God who takes and has taken away the sin of the world. You don't have to learn the whole chapter, even the whole paragraph, the whole verse, but find a piece of that. And begin to meditate on that day and night. And then sixth and finally is our thumb. We want to close our lives up around the truth of God's word. We want to apply it to our lives. Now we're locked in. Here's what James says, James 1.22. Don't just listen to God's word. You must also do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Listen, if God wants us not just to read, hear, study, memorize, and meditate on the Word, but also to do it, then every time we crack it open to hear God's voice, we ought to do so with a great sense of expectancy, that this has some implication for my life. This has some impact in my life. There's some action to be taken, some transformation, some change that God wants to bring about here in my life. So tomorrow we're going to get to read John chapter 1 together and hear the voice of God. Read it and hear it and study it and memorize it and meditate on it and apply it together to our lives. Find that peace that you hang on to and you can't get it out of your head. Watch God use it in your life. But here's how I want to close our time together today. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is the chapter just before you're going to open up to John chapter 1 tomorrow. It's the last chapter of the book of Luke, next door neighbor chapter to John chapter 1. And I love Luke chapter 24 because it's Resurrection Sunday. Jesus rose from the grave that Sunday morning, and, and the angels appear to Mary and the women, and they've been reporting this good news, but nobody's believing them. Women, ain't that something? Come on. Nobody's really believing them. We get to Luke chapter 24, and two of the disciples have thrown in the towel. They're leaving the upper room. They're leaving Jerusalem. They're going home to a place called Emmaus. And they're tired, and they're scared, and they're discouraged. And lo and behold, somebody starts walking along with them, only they don't know who it is. And I want to read this chapter to you, and as we do it, Can I just ask you just to soak it in just by closing your eyes 
and imagining you're there, which, by the way, is one of the ways that I meditate on God's word. For example, Tuesday, John chapter 2, Jesus turns the water into wine at that wedding feast. And as I read that, so many times I will put myself in the scene and I'm going to be one of those servants at the wedding. And I'm going to hear Mary say in John chapter 2, do whatever he says. And that becomes what I memorize that day and what I meditate on that day. Do whatever he, that's all I need that, Drew, that's all I need that day. Just do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. So all day that day, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. So I want, to, I want you to put yourself in the scene of Luke 24. All right? With your eyes closed, you're walking. It's a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Verse 13 says, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you got to be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. And they began to tell Jesus everything that had transpired over those three days. Down to verse 25, Jesus said to them, You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went in with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. So Lord, that is my prayer today. That our hearts would burn within us to know you more. As we spend time with you in your word. God, we don't want it to be about just knowing the word. God, we want to know the God of the word. We want to know the word who put on flesh. We want to know you, Jesus. So over these 21 days, God, would you give us an all-consuming, burning passion to know Jesus like we have never known him before. Open our eyes that we might know him in the power of his resurrection. In Jesus' name, I want to invite you to stand and let's worship Jesus. 
This is our prayer. May this be our hearts. We want to know you, Lord. We want to know you more. We want to know you better.